0: The Shady Hoosier Detective Agency Ghost-Busting Mystery Episode 1 Chapter 1 Doge Schneider wasn't right in the head even before that snowplow hit him. That was probably why no one paid him much mind when he started rattling on about ghosts. They are hanging in the apple orchard over at the Wyatt Mansion, right regular. What are they doing? asked Boots Gibson, Pawpaw County's sheriff. Well, gosh darn, if I do that, I wouldn't be here jawing at you. It was late spring, but Dode, a bachelor farmer, was dressed in a long-sleeved plaid flannel shirt buttoned in a chokehold around his scrawny neck. Tiny dots of white tissue paper stuck to his chin, where he had nicked himself shaving. His eyes were moist, runny with pollen. He pulled a red handkerchief out of the pocket of his bibbed overalls and dabbed at his nose, before honking into it. You gonna do your job or what? He asked Boots. For crying out loud, Dode, that mansion is abandoned, said Boots. The Wyatts all died off years ago. Place is falling down. No one goes there no more. Well, I know that. The way I see it. Dode leaned forward. Them ghosts are trespassing. Can't you arrest him for that? Boots stretched out in his chair and planted the heels of his cowboy boots firmly on the lip of his desk. He crossed both arms across his chest. He looked like a flustered Santa Claus in blue jeans. His white beard was neatly trimmed. His face was bright red, partly from farming on the weekends, but mostly from trying to reason with Dode. We were all sitting together in the sheriff's office. Dode Schneider, Boots Gibson, and me. My name is Ruby Jane Wascom, RJ to most. And I'm a 67-year-old detective in training with the Harry Shades Private Detective Agency. The best okay, the only PI agency in Knobby Waters, Indiana. Knobby Waters is a small town. Big enough to make it onto the map, but small enough that it is barely a pimple of a speed bump in the asphalt on State Road 235. We don't get much excitement, so I, for one, was eager to hear more of Dode's ghost story. Boots, on the other hand, had been trying all week to dissuade Dode from filing a formal police complaint against the ghosts. He didn't like paperwork. What he liked was fishing down at the catfish honey hole off Greasy Creek, and Dode was seriously eating into his fishing time. The old geezer was determined to see his tax dollars in action. Boots had called me in to calm Dode down and take charge of the case. Dode wrinkled his nose. I'm telling you, them ghosts are up to something. Somebody ought to do something before they bust into town. Start pestering the whole lot of us. I was trying to keep an open mind. Living people could be pretty annoying. Why should the dead be any different? Odd second thought. Dode leaned forward, whispering like he feared someone might be listening. Maybe it ain't ghosts. Maybe it's aliens. How's a fella to tell the difference? I thought that was a darn good question. Like I told you, Dode, this here seems like a job for a private agency, Boots announced as he leaned back in his swivel chair. I represent Pawpaw County. We don't do ghost busting. We police the living, not the dead. If you're being pestered by dead people, you're on your own. Your tax dollars don't cover that. What about if it's aliens? Dang, blast it, Dode. My jurisdiction doesn't extend into outer space, either. Aliens would be federal. FBI. I leaned over and whispered in Boots's ear. You're just tired of dealing with the old coot. That, too, he grunted. Dode's eyes slid back and forth, taking in both of us. You're in on it, the both of you, ain't ya? In on what? I asked. The conspiracy? Boots snorted. The conspiracy? What in the Sam Hill? I cleared my throat. Who do you think is conspiring to do what, Dode? Dode's eyes spun. You trying to confuse me, missy? Nope. You said there was a conspiracy. What are the ghosts conspiring to do? I don't know. That's why I'm sitting here consulting with the law. I want you all to find out. I just think the ghosts are up to no good. I can feel it in my bones. My busted hip has been acting up. I can divine things in my bones, you know. It's a gift I got from my mother's people. I wanted to say it was more likely a gift of that head-on collision he'd had with the county snowplow, but I was trying to be professional. Boots bit his bottom lip. These ghosts, are they making any noise? Disturbing the peace? Coming on to your land? No, they ain't unruly ghosts, but they are odd. Not normal ghosts, you might say. They have big lights on their butts. They look like giant fireflies swinging their butts under the apple trees. Dode held out his gnarled hands. He threw them wide apart. Really big lightning bugs. He was so excited I thought his eyes were going to pop out of his head. Clearly, he was seeing something, and it had him riled up. Boots picked up the police report. He rattled it. Ghosts with big-lighted butts. Do you hear yourself, Dode? Do you? Cause if you heard yourself, you'd be hearing a crazy man. I can't file this. You, me, the whole county. We'd be a laughing stock. Dode chewed one little fingernail and then the other. He'd come all the way into town to file a police report, and clearly he wasn't giving up. What if it's aliens, not ghosts? Everybody would want to know, right? I mean, aliens could vaporize the world. Puff! No one wants to be puffed out of existence, now do they, eh? Boots shoved back from his desk. He strutted out of the office. All yours, Ruby Jane. He spat over his shoulder as he headed toward the coffee room. I got some real policing to do. The sheriff can't help you, Dode. Maybe I can. The Harry Shades Detective Agency, where I work, it's a private firm. You understand? We require payment up front. A retainer. You got to pay us. I understand. I ain't addled. Figured I might be needin' to grease someone's wheels before anything would happen. Lucky for you, Missy, I got heaps of money. Follow me. I got up and stretched my bad knee. I ambled out the door to the back parking lot in hot pursuit of Dode's worn denim backside. He moved at a mighty speed for someone so old. His right hip had been busted, so he walked a tad sideways, like a crab but he moved fast. We stopped alongside the back tailgate of his cherry-red 57 short-bed Ford. He dropped the gate and pointed to a pair of five-gallon glass jars wrapped in moldy newspapers. They looked like something the jolly green giant would use to store moonshine. I recognized the jars from the 60s, when the bold-mold plastics factory had come to town. Bold Mold used the jars to transport the acid used to clean the plastic auto-button molds. In the 70s, enterprising folks lugged the jars out of the town dump, sawed off the tops, made terrariums. Terrariums were big in the early 70s. People were gaga over earthy things. Ferns and bottles were big. My cousin Betty had a craft barn down in Orleans. She hit the jackpot turning those jars into bottle gardens with teeny plastic gnomes living inside. She sold the whole kit and caboodle to some hippie college students from Vincennes University back in 73. Got enough to retire to a trailer park in Hollywood, Florida. She mails me Christmas cards with palm trees, and she always writes the same darn thing inside. Eighty degrees here. You enjoying the snow? Ha ha! That Betty always was a smartass. Dode pointed at the jars. Dug em up last night in my spring house cellar. You're working for me now, ain't you? I peeled back moldy newspaper and inspected the jars. The outsides were smeared with clay and dirt. Inside, they were stuffed with coins, or what looked to be coins. Mostly quarters and dimes, some pennies, floating around in greenish water. Been storing these in my cellar. First National Bank of Dode. Saving them for the crash. I knew by the crash, he meant the next Great Depression. He wasn't the only farmer in town who didn't trust banks. Lots of old-timers buried the family silver in their cellars, or slid silver coin money under the barn floorboards. "'How much is in them two jars?' I asked. He shrugged, wiped the back of his hand under his nose. He took a pinch of chaw from the pocket of his overalls and poked it expertly into one jaw. "'Don't rightly know,' he said, after sucking the chaw for a moment. "'Maybe thousands. Them coins have silver and copper.' They don't use real silver no more. Coins today are made up out of allow-you-minimum. Might as well be lead, he spat. I contemplated the Shades Detective Agency bank account. It was empty. We had no other clients. And I'd been holding my paycheck all week because I knew it had not cleared the bank. Sold! I said as I took hold of a jar and started monkey-walking it to the edge of the tailgate. Harry Shades, my boss, wasn't going to be happy about this. He'd been perturbed to the point of spitting a couple of months back when Vini Goins, my best gal pal and fellow sleuth-in-training, had accepted a lifetime pledge of free eggs for Ma Horton in exchange for our sleuthing services. I figured Harry would take the cash, though. He would said more than once that the Shades Agency ought to represent everyone. Everybody's money is green, was his big motto. Thanks to all the corroded copper pennies, Dode's money couldn't have been any greener. It was dirty money, but I figured Vini and I could launder it up. You're working for me now, ain't you? "'Dode asked again as he helped me roll the second jar onto the tailgate. "'Reckon I am,' I said. "'Hot diggity!' screeched Dode. "'Just wait till them ghosts get a gander at you. "'Bet they never met a real live ghost hunter. "'This is just like hiring one of them hardy boys. (laughs) "'Except you're a lady and all.' "'It wasn't the ghosts I was worried about. "'It was the boss.' But I figured ghost-busting was as reputable as most things he got us into. Veney and I had been outwitting the living citizens of Knobby Waters, Indiana for a while now. How much smarter could the dead be?